When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Motor disease is an incurable condition. And although we've been very good at actually finding genes that cause the disease over the past 10 years or so, we don't know how they cause disease. So what we decided to do was to try and make models of disease. People have been doing this for some time now, but they've been doing it usually by making an assumption, which is that too much of a protein or too little of a protein is bad. But we don't know if that's the case or not. So we decided to make a, a model that more accurately reflects what's going on in the human. And in a human patient who has motor neurone disease, what do they present with? How would they know they have the disease? How would a person observing them know they had the it, disease? It varies a lot from person to person. MND is a disease that can affect such a large part of the body, any part of the brain, the motor system in the brain or in the spinal cord. So it could affect the motor nerves that supply the legs or the arms or the hands or the tongue or swallowing. And this is caused by the loss of nerve cells that communicate messages from the nervous system into muscles. Absolutely. So for some reason, those cells are selectively vulnerable, and we don't know why. Yeah, there's a circuit. So the nerves in the, in the brain, the upper motor neurons, uh, go down into the brain stem or into the spinal cord, and from there into the periphery where they supply the muscles. So those circuits are affected specifically in motor neuron disease, although we're now understanding there are other nerves that kind of connect between those nerves that are also important. So the model that you set out to make, when we say model, this is basically making something like a mouse, for example, yes. develop something which recapitulates, we hope, what yes. a human would suffer with. How have you gone about doing that? And why should your approach be better than what's come before? Other approaches are very useful, but what we've done is to try and not make an assumption about what we think causes disease. We know that these mutations uh, are linked to disease, but how they cause disease, we don't know. Uh, so what when you say mutations, what mutations are they? Yeah, so we've focused on a protein called TDP43. This is a protein that's central to almost everybody with motor neuron disease in that it accumulates in the brains of patients with MND. A handful of patients have mutations in a gene uh, that encodes that protein. Just one small change in most cases. And we made that one small change in the mouse because the mouse has the same gene as the human. So you engineer into a mouse the same change that a handful, but a reasonable handful of people who have human motor neurone disease have. Yes. That means the mouse brain and the tissues in the mouse yeah. also carry that change. Yeah. Do the mice go on to develop changes a bit like a person with MND then? Yes, they do. But what we found was rather than getting a predominantly motor problem with paralysis, they get mostly a cognitive problem. So we've looked very closely with a scientist called Tim Bussey at Cambridge University, who's a psychologist, using some very sophisticated technology to find out what kind of cognitive problems they have. And what they have in the cognitive realm 
matches what we see in patients with a motor neuron disease that overlaps with frontotemporal dementia. How do you account for the difference then? Because a human takes five, six decades to get motor neurone disease. A mouse only lives for a couple of years if it's very, very lucky. Yet you're saying you've got mice which are already manifesting changes when they carry this human mutation. Is that just is that an artefact of the fact that it's gone into a mouse or is it that something else is going on and the human brain is coping better yeah, with I the think, mutation? I think it's partly the fact that, that we're, we're, we've got a mouse model. This is not a human. And the, the human brain is significantly bigger than a, than a mouse brain. I think one possibility is that the plasticity of the, of the human brain is able to compensate for abnormalities and therefore individuals don't actually seem to have cognitive problems. Some patients do actually have quite florid cognitive problems and they manifest with striking behavioural changes. In our mouse model, what we've also found is that some mice get sick and others don't, which is another interesting phenomenon. So as well as the differences between the mouse and the human brain perhaps explaining why we have a difference in the kind of observations we're making. I think the, the fact that the mouse doesn't live for 70 years also may explain why they don't actually seem to get motor neuron disease. If they did, then maybe they would. How would this then explain what you think is going on in a person who has motor neuron disease? They carry this mutation, yes. or, or if they don't carry that mutation and they're going to get motor neuron disease, something else makes something change in cells in the yeah. same way as that mutation might. But yeah. how does that lead ultimately then to the loss of nerve cells and specifically the loss of the motor nerve cells? What do you think? Yeah, this is, um, this is a very important question. I mean, the, the protein that we're working on, TDP43, is present everywhere. It's in the skin, it's in the eyes, it's in the liver, kidneys, and it's also in the brain. The brain is unusual in that it doesn't divide. The cells don't divide. So I think one of the problems with uh, the brain is that it can't compensate over the course of time quite as well as other organs in the body. For for example, higher levels of the protein or the consequences of that higher level of protein. Um, So the brain is particularly vulnerable. Motor neurons are perhaps particularly vulnerable because of their size and the fact that they form a very intricate uh, network with the periphery, but also for reasons that we don't fully understand. Motor neurons have differences in gene expression compared to other neurons. They have vulnerabilities that I don't think we fully understand yet. Do you think then that one possible model could be that there's a whole slew of nerve cells which are being affected in the brain when they have this mutation present or similar changes that produce similar biochemistry caused by some other genetic cause perhaps. But whatever the cause, you've got cells which are destined to die and that in some way feeds back on the behaviour of the motor neurons so that they then are rendered, say, electrically unstable or, or they're more likely to get too carried away and, and die because of, say, overexcitement because of a loss of another cell? Because we've all pinned this for years on it's a loss of motor neurons, yeah. but are they dying because other cells have died first? Absolutely. I mean, this is um, something that we've found in our mouse model. So what we've found is that although the brain appears to look superficially normal uh, when we look at it with the special stains for the nerve cells, when we look at uh, what we call transcriptomic data, when we look at the genetic expression data, we find subtle changes in a gene that's expressed in a specific interneuron. So these are neurons that are not motor neurons, but they link motor neurons to other neurons. And what they do is normally dampen down the activity of motor neurons. So what we think is that the loss of these neurons may be contributing to eventually the death of motor neurons. We don't see that in a mouse yet because they don't live long enough. But this lack of dampening activity could result in what we call excitotoxicity. If you can peg this on a protein then, does that mean that you may have a new druggable target for motor neurone disease? I think we do. 
a single most important finding from the study is that the protein has lost the ability to control itself. Normally, through a homeostatic mechanism that isn't fully understood, it regulates its own expression. In this model, what we see is that it's slightly higher than normal, and it shouldn't be. If those mechanisms are conserved in human systems, and that's what we're looking at now using human stem cells, then we have a target. It's not going to be straightforward because this is a protein that can't be too high and can't be too low. So we need to find a way of tinkering with the mechanism that causes the protein to balance itself very intricately without uh, causing damage.